0: you have your Bibles be turning to 1st John? We're going to be... Luke, did you not clap? Boo! Just kidding. We love you. There's grace and forgiveness here. All right? Only because of Jesus, but there's grace and forgiveness here. So we forgive you. All right? We are seven weeks into this Call to Die series. And um, over the last several weeks, we looked at different topics and different things of um, what it means to uh, live for Christ and die to self. And tonight we're going to talk about a topic that we've talked about before. And it's a topic that we spent several weeks on during one of our last series of winning the battle. We're going to be talking about the topic of the enemy. And so there's a couple reasons that I want us to talk about this. One. Um, There's new students and new adults that are here uh, since we've done the winning the battle series Um, And so I I feel like it's important for us to approach this topic again, but at the same time um, We didn't discuss this beforehand, and I'm just going to see if he has the correct answer If not, then I I don't know what's going to happen, but all right, (laughs) Mr. Rusty Monday, you're preparing for your Friday football game All right, are you going to talk about your opponent? Most we'll of the time. All right. You're going to do your scouting report. You're going to get ready for Friday. You're going to start to talk about your enemy. All right. Friday night before the game, do you talk about your enemy again? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. During the game, do you do in game adjustments to right. see what needs to be done to attack the enemy? All right. So I want us to understand and realize that we can't talk about the enemy once every year or two. And be an effective warrior in defeating the temptations, the things that the enemy is trying to do in our lives. In order, I want us to grasp this, all right? In order for us to realize that Christ is calling us to die to self and to live for Him, we have an enemy that is doing everything that He can to get us to live for self. Okay? And so I, I want us to understand and realize that there is a very real enemy that we need to be aware of. But as we sing tonight, because of Jesus Christ, there's victory. He, he's a defeated foe, but he's doing everything that he can to destroy us, to distract us, to deceive us. He's doing everything that he can for us to not live for Jesus, but to live for self and ultimately for his kingdom. All right. And so, uh, so a couple of truths that we do know about Satan is in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, uh, we realize that he disguises himself as an angel of light. All right. If we saw him for how he truly was, there would be no way that we would take that path. If we saw what pornography actually leads to, there's no way that we would lead down that path. But because he masquerades as something pleasurable, there's so many people that take that path. If alcoholics saw that path and the end road of that path, they wouldn't start down that road. And so we understand that Satan does things and disguises himself as an angel of light. Another thing that we understand about Satan is John 10.10. Jesus says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy that's his purpose that's his plan that's his ultimatum he wants nothing good for you he only wants to steal kill and destroy and so just three chapters into the bible we see satan show up all right in chapter three adam and Eve have absolutely everything that they want all right they basically have heaven on earth in the garden of eden Uh, Out of all the wonderful things that God gave this couple, he required one thing, which was what? Don't eat of of that tree. All right? You can have all this. Don't eat of this tree. The other day, I was over at Jessica's house, and they let out Bella, which was their dog. And Bella has all kinds of people around that would love on her, that would uh, be there with her, that will pet her. They have food for her. She gets food from the table. Excuse me. She gets food from the table. She has everything that you can possibly want. And whenever they let her out of the room, guess where she went to the trash? She went straight to the trash and started digging in the trash, trying to find some food. And yet that's exactly how we are. God says, I've given you everything that you need, everything you could desire. And we go for the trash of this world. And so the enemy is doing everything that he can to get us not to experience the goodness of God, but to doubt God and to make us think that God is withholding something from us. And well, or did he really say this? Did he really say that? He, he made his point crystal clear. God made his point clear, crystal clear to Adam and Eve. You can have anything you want except for this one tree. And then Satan, Satan came to Eve with that simple question. Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? At first, Eve responded correctly. No, God didn't say that. He said there's only one tree that we can't eat from. But then she did what? She added to it. Or we can't touch it. And she starts adding to God's requirements. She starts overstating God's requirements. And God never said that. Satan saw his opening and exclaimed, you you won't die. In fact, if you eat it, you will really live. If you eat from that tree, you're going to know both good and evil and, and you'll be just like God. And so Satan's plot, don't miss this, Satan's plot was, a, was to plant a question in Eve's mind regarding God's intention, heart, and character. That was her plan. That was Satan's plan to put a question in her heart. Is God as good as He says that He is? Can I trust his heart? Can I trust his character? Because if Satan could make one person doubt, then he had a chance of destroying the whole human race. Eve took the bait, ate the fruit, and today I got to walk through about six miles of the fall of mankind because of brush and bold trees with thorns that... Mm, dang you, Eve. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> Genesis 3, we see the fall of mankind and sin, misery and destruction entered into human history. And Satan's purpose is the same for you and me today as it was for them. He wants to deceive. He wants to distract and he wants to destroy. He uses every lie, every stripe. Of uh, lying to get us to doubt God's intentions and God's character. We have to realize the word war every single day, and that war is because of the enemy trying to get us to live for ourselves. So, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That, that's a pretty straightforward text. You can't love the world and love God. Matthew 6.24 says that you cannot love, the you can't serve two masters. All right, Either you're going to love one and hate the other, you're going to be devoted one, you're going to despise the other. You cannot serve them both. And here's the thing that I've realized even in my own life. Whenever I'm trying to serve both of them, I am miserable in both places. I'm miserable in both places. And so that's why in Revelation, whenever he says, I don't want you to be lukewarm. Either be cold or be hot. Because even God understands what we're going through whenever we're just living one foot in the world, one foot in the church. He says you can't have the love of the world and the love of the Father. Verse 16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Now, some, a verse that may be a little more familiar with you, go to the next verse. It's verse 16 in the uh, CSB. It says, For everything in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. They, these are things that distract us. These are things that destroy us. And we'll go into detail a little bit more about these. But if you look at the, these three things, it boils down to every sin, every temptation, everything that we want apart from God. And so verse 17, it says, And this world is fading away. Along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live for forever. And so we could all agree that, that these three areas, mentioned in verse 16, are the main areas of where we're tempted to be like the world. The, the lust of the flesh is the desire to do something apart from the will of God. It's the lust of the flesh. So many times we have temptations come up. and We want to give in to those temptations. There's so many things that surround us. There's so many things that tempt us. Whether it be a sexual pleasure. Whether it be an eating pleasure. Whether it be drugs or alcohol. or There's something that is apart from the will of God. That is the lust of the flesh that we're so easily tempted by. What we're so easily tempted to do apart from the will of God. And then there's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have something apart from the will of God. And we see these people that are rich or famous. Or we see these people on social media that all they have is their highlight reel on social media. All right, We don't see the behind the scenes stuff. We don't see what their house looked like an hour before that picture. All we see is their highlight reel. But the lust of the eyes makes us want to have something apart from the will of God. And if we would just understand that we have everything that we need in Jesus Christ, then we're not going to be lusting after things of this world. We're not going to be lusting after the things that we see. Because we have everything we need in Christ. And it says on the pride of life. The pride of life is the desire of to be something apart from the will of God? I mean, have you honestly, sincerely started praying, God, what did you create me for? What did you make me for? God, I I believe, have you came to that place in your life where one, you realize that God is the creator and that God created you for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, and, and because of that, God, what do you want me to do? God, I know these are some things that I like to do. I know these may be some desires of my heart. But God, what do you want me to do? Some of you may be saying, well, I'm only 10. I'm only 13. I'm only, I've got plenty of time. It seems like yesterday that I was saying that. <laughs> it seems like yesterday that I was saying those exact same things. And so I, I, man, I beg you, start today. God, what, what did you create me for? God, I believe that you have a purpose for my life. I don't want to be caught up in the pride of life and the things that, that come from this. And I don't want to be caught up in just achievements and, and possessions. Why? Because these things are going to fade away. But anything, uh, who, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And so if we're doing what we can to please God, we're not going to be living according to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We're going to be surrendered to His Word. We're going to be surrendered to the things that He calls us to. minute. This is kind of off topic, but the last week... I've been challenged more in the Word than I have in a while. Sunday night had a situation happen; had to go um, bail out an employee from jail, Um, and afterwards we I get him in the car and we start talking, and he starts asking me certain scriptures. And by the grace of God, I was able to answer according to the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, uh, excuse me, Monday, um, I was talking to no, it was yesterday. Um, I was talking to a different employee, and we got on the topic of um, Jesus coming back, and he said something to the effect of, man, yes, he's going to come back from the pits of hell. Mm -hmm. Time out. Hold up. (laughs) And so I was able to point him to Scripture where it clearly says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he got to talking about um, Jesus' twin brother. So we got to talking about that. No, that's not a thing. (laughs) Um, And and so, listen, we we have to be in the Word of God Mm -hmm. so that we can defend our hope, that we can defend our faith so that we can share with people, man, this is what the truth of Scripture says. And whenever we know the truth of Scripture. We should be living the truth of Scripture. Man, people should be able to tell that our lives have been changed. And we should be growing in our walk. And so we're not giving in to those things of the world. Are we going to be perfect? (laughs) No. But we know the Word of God. We know what He's called us to do. And we're living that out. And so... Tonight, I want us to look at a few tactics that that Satan uses to uh, get our mind and get our focus off of God. Um, One of the biggest things that he uses is temptation. In in Matthew, um, there's a parable about the seed falling on different types of soil. You guys are familiar with this story. So to to save a little bit of time, we're not going to read the whole story. But these seeds land on four different types of soil. Uh, The footpath, the rocks, the soil... Uh, full of thorns and the good soil. And, And so many believers fall into this second and this third category. In Matthew 13, verse 20, it says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. How many of you guys have ever experienced Jesus? Man, I I I believe in Jesus. I believe He's the Son of God. And six months later, they are struggling in their faith. They're struggling because there's things in the Bible that maybe they can't quite comprehend. Maybe because of their belief, they have um, endured persecution, and they think, "Man, I I can't I can't do this." Maybe it's because of um, certain friends have disappeared from their life because they've now started believing in Jesus and they've decided that, man, that maybe this isn't worth following after. And so there's people that, that hear the message of the gospel, they hear about Jesus, and yes, man, I, I want Jesus, I need Jesus, but because they haven't dug into the Word of God and because they're not rooted in a deep relationship with Jesus whenever trials, persecution, Whatever circumstance comes, they fall away. And then we have the last group, or the third group. It says, the, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced the third category represents the gospel for those who grow for a while, but the worries of this life and the lure of wealth make no fruit uh, it means that no fruit is produced. It means that no fruit is produced, because can we effectively produce fruit if we are worried about the things of this life? No. We cannot be effective warriors effective disciples in the kingdom of God if we were worried about the cares of this life, the worries of this life, the lure of wealth. It's not hard to figure out what Jesus is talking about. We understand that most people spend their time thinking, dreaming about things of this world. We see it all the time of people that are figuring out how to become wealthier. If I could just have more possessions then I'll I'll, I'll figure out life. We see people that are wanting to try to figure out popularity. Well, I, I want to see how many people on Instagram I can I get to follow me. I, I wonder what type of popularity contest I can win. There, there's sex, there's prestige, there's power. There's all kinds of things that lure us away from what Jesus has called us to. John 15.8 says, By this, that, you know, know my, that, uh, that they are my disciples, uh, if you bear much fruit, could you look at your life? And if somebody was to look at the time invested and, and maybe even your bank account or maybe even just uh, different circumstances of your life, would they see a fruit-bearing Christian or somebody that's concerned about things of this world? You see, so many riches promise to fail. Promise, uh make these promises, but they fail to deliver. Happiness, comfort, fulfillment. Satan has a strong ally today in his attempts to tempt us and to pursue the things of this world instead of the things of Christ through a popular little thing called advertising. Advertising. I mean, think about all of the magazine ads, the TV commercials, the radio ads, the billboards that we encounter every every single day. Every one of them claims its products or its services will do something that you just got to have. You you can't live without this product. You can't live without this service. But it is the implicit, hidden promise that is so deceptively tempting. Uh, I mean, I've seen TV commercials of toothpaste that not just promise to clean your teeth, but promises to get you a date. Man, your teeth will look so good, they'll get you a date. Not only that, but I've seen beer commercials. Beer promise, pr- promises not just to taste good, but to make you popular. I mean, how many beer commercials do you see of just a guy in the corner? No, it's always a party going on. It's always a, everybody around, happy. It's, it's, and they're skinny, like me. Um, and so... Edit, edit that out. Just kidding. Uh, So, but but is that not the reality? Beer, I mean, it it doesn't just taste good; it doesn't just make. But it's going to make you popular too. And yet, there's that hidden message that nobody deals with or sees or talks about that it can lead to a life of destruction. That's what advertising has done to our society. We're so submerged in the sea of advertising that we don't. Even notice the subtle, implicit messages. There lies right in front of us, and we fall for them way too often. And so, then, whenever we fall for them, the next thing that Satan does is accuses us. Man, accusations and accuses us. And when we give in into temptation, Satan doesn't go, Oh, man, you finally gave in. It's okay. No, he kicks us while we're down. <laughs> He does everything that He can to accuse us. And at that moment, His beautiful mask, that angel of light is stripped away and He snarls at us. See? You're a failure. How can you call yourself a Christian? God couldn't love anybody who is such a screw-up like you. Or is that the only things that He said to me? (laughs) But yet, He comes to us Says, man, how, how can God love you? How can a perfect, holy God forgive you after the things that you've done? And over the last year and a half, I've been able to say to Telestai, to it is done. It's finished. You, you can't hold that against me anymore. You can't bring that up anymore because Jesus Christ has paid for my sins. Have you ever heard those voices? Have you ever beat yourself up for doing something stupid? Satan wants us to focus on how awful we are instead of God's wonderful forgiveness and grace. The more that we grovel in the mud of self-contempt, the better Satan likes it. If, if you don't hear this tonight, hear this. The more that you focus on self, the less that you focus on God. The more that you focus on, oh man, I, I, I blew it. I really messed up. The more that we focus on that, the more it becomes of our failures. What can we do to make things right? Instead of obeying scripture and saying, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you will come and confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He forgives us of all of our sins. Listen, there's not a thing that you have done that is too great for God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's love. Romans tells us that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. In Isaiah 1.18, it says, The Lord said, Come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. I mean, you say that this is unforgivable. Let's talk about it. Because where your sins were like scarlet, I shall make them as white as snow. I will forgive you. I'll do everything that I can to prove my love to you. Revelation chapter 12. We have to remember who Satan is and that he accuses the brethren says Revelation, 10, or excuse me, 12 verse 10 it says that I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their life so much that they were afraid to die. Satan is up there accusing. Last Friday, whenever I was at uh, court, I was a part of a what's called a pretrial conference. And I was watching this uh, thing take place and this one lawyer is accusing this guy and saying all kinds of things about this guy, and he did this, he did that, look at this proof, blah, blah, blah. And guess what that guy had to say? Absolutely nothing. Because his advocate, this lawyer that he has hired, stood up and said, "Mm -mm, no, he hadn't done that. And that's exactly what Jesus steps in and does for us. Whenever Satan comes in and says, man, look what he's done. He screwed up. He messed up. Look at the things. And Jesus steps in and says, his sins are forgiven. I've paid the penalty for those sins. By the blood of the lamb, we overcome. And we can trust in what Jesus has done for us. 1 John 2. 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He Himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only for our sins, but the sins of the world. One thing that Satan also does, is brings confusion. Satan wants to distort our view of God to make us believe that God doesn't care or help. He uses bad teaching of the scriptures. He uses cults. He uses biology professors. He uses even well-meaning friends to get us off track. Today, millions of people check out their horoscopes every day. They shape their thoughts about what's on the news or on social media, and yet they fail to read the Bible. Most high school and college students are taught that our existence is the product of matter and chance over billions of years instead of God's sovereign design. And some of these sources of truth look very appealing. But yet it's what Satan is using to confuse and to bring division and to bring deceit and to bring chaos. Once again, he's the angel of light. He's going to do whatever he can to wrap this up in a nice little bow and there you go. That's why we have to be in the Word of God. So whenever we see that nice little bow, we take our thoughts in the captive. Is this the Word of God? This this truth? He, he also uses obstacles in our life. Anybody ever had any obstacles on this journey that we're on, this race that we're on? Very long story short, if you guys remember in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is praying and God sends an angel. And for how many weeks they wrestle? Three weeks they wrestle. The angel is trying to bring the answer to Daniel. Uh, the, the enemy and the angel wrestle. In three weeks, there's this obstacle in the way of what God is planning on doing. And so we have to ask this have to ask ourselves, does something so dramatic happen to us today? Uh, I mean, ha- has an angel been wrestling for nearly two years now? <laughs> I've got to ask myself that. But then we have to ask, or are we serious about upholding the honor of God just as Daniel did? After two weeks, he didn't go, well, God's not answering my prayer. Tough luck. Too bad. He he was faithful. He he was still obedient. I believe that Satan doesn't give as much merit to many of us. Alright? Satan isn't concerned about a lot of us because we aren't a threat to his purpose. We aren't a threat to his purpose. I mean, you guys remember the story in Acts whenever the demons are like Paul I know and uh, uh, um, Silas I know. But who are you? Who are you? And so it kind of asks the question of does it scare us to pray so boldly? God, I want to be used for you in such a way that the enemy takes notice? The enemy realizes and takes notice? I, I, I've shared with you guys the quote that I saw shortly before a lot of my stuff happened that, that said, I pray that when I die, all of, hev- all of hell would rejoice because I am no longer in the fight. Like, like do people... In hell, does the enemy realize that you are in the fight or are you just flippantly walking through life? Just casually going along. We're in a fight whether we believe it or not. <clears throat> you and I experience temptations and accusations every single day. We're exposed to distortions of the truth. And if we are serious about taking the love of God to our friends into the world we will have obstacles in our path so how do we how do we fight back just real quick a couple verses how do we fight back one take every thought captive 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 says we are human but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellion, rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. In the vast majority of cases... Satan uses our own voices to slam us. I mean, if if we had this voice in our head that sounded like the movie Exorcist, all right, would we be listening to that voice? No. We'd realize we would take it for what it is. But it's usually our own voice that easily dupes us. It's our own voice and it's our own words that Satan is using to confuse and to accuse and to bring those temptations up. And so I encourage you not to accept every voice and every thought that comes into your head, but take it captive and see if it lines up with the Word of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We don't need to be listening to the lies of Satan, but the truth of Scripture. The second thing that we need to do is we need to put on the armor of God. We need to put on the armor. Uh, we spent just a little bit of time on Ephesians 6, and so I don't want to go into full detail, but Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Satan is a liar and a thief, and he doesn't play fair. His goal is to keep people away from God any way that he can. And then if they become Christians, he wants to keep them off balance and focused on all the things of this world instead of being effective for Christ. The vast majority of our struggles with Satan take place in the realm of truth. He uses temptation, deception, and accusations to get us off base. And we need to be strong in the Word of God to fight Him effectively. And then last but not least, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. I've heard this quote before that obstacles are what we see when we take our eyes off the prize. Obstacles are what we see whenever we take our eyes off the prize. Listen, if we are focused on Jesus, how's the old hymn go? The things of this world will grow strangely dim. Whenever we're focused on Jesus, whenever we're looking at Jesus, we're not going to be caught up with the lust of the flesh. We're not going to be caught up with the lust of the eyes or the pride of life because we are seeing Jesus. Our thoughts are being captivated captivated by the things of Jesus. Our mind is focused on Him. Our eyes are focused on Him. The one that supplies our strength. The one that gives us power. The one that we have victory in. And so as we think about this tonight, do you realize and understand there is an enemy that is desperately wanting you to live for yourself? He's going to do everything that he can to get you to live for yourself. Or have you came to that place where you're saying, I don't care what the enemy has to offer. I don't care what this world has to offer. My hope is in Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. Jesus. My strength, my victory, everything that I believe in is in Him. And I will live for Jesus and die to self. With every head bowed and eyes closed.